Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This week it's episode 303 and we're talking about Riga and Rondale. This is the Latvia Podcast. That's right. And this podcast is brought to you by PerformanceFoundry.com. Performance Foundry is actually my company and it's what I've been working on for the last 18 months while Linda's been studying uh, at the University of Alcala. Performance Foundry is all about building enterprise-level WordPress websites. So we build websites for small and medium businesses and uh, professional publishers and make sure that they're running fast, running smoothly, and keep everything uh, up to date in terms of performance and technology for them, basically helping businesses meet their business goals online. So that's uh, today's sponsor. And uh, well, what have we been up to over the last week? Well, we're in Berlin at the moment, and it's been busy. I love Berlin. I love Berlin with all my heart. And uh, we've been trying to get a lot of work done, but we've had a problem, and the problem is that lots of our friends live in Berlin, and there are some really awesome people here. So, you know, as problems go, I think that's a pretty good one. Yeah, I can't complain about that at all. Um, we flew in last week from Madrid, um, where, unlike what I put on Facebook when I was like in the Madrid airport, I was <laughs> going getting, to Berlin, getting ready to uh, to go to Madrid. <laughs> um, so thanks for uh, for Dave from TooManyAdapters.com for calling me out on that, yeah. reminding me that I was leaving, not arriving in That's Madrid. Right. Yeah, because we've just we've just been spending time with him. We also saw Matt from Expert Vagabond and uh, Diana from DTravelsRound.com. So it was really cool to hang out with some bloggers and have tacos. I do like tacos. Yeah, and I think we may have found the best taco restaurant in Madrid this uh, this summer. Yeah, well, we were just stumbling around, and we, we came across it. And uh, we ended up going there, I think, three times, four times during our week. And now we're in Berlin, and you can hear the uh, our dog Lucky kind of snuffling in the background. <laughs> Lucky's part of <laughs> He's screaming. It's hilarious. I wonder um, if we should wake him up. Yeah, give him a nudge. Come on, Lucky. <laughs> Um, so Lucky's part of our great house sitting experiment, which we're trying out this summer. And, uh, we'll talk about that at the end of the show. But, uh, so Berlin, we've been here, what, about just over a week now? It must be a week and a half because we've been house sitting for a week and we, mm-hmm. we arrived four or five days early. So we, uh, we spent, oh, we had an adventure actually. We were getting on the plane in Madrid and the phone rang and we were literally on the air bridge about to get on the plane. And uh, it was the hotel calling to say that they'd cancelled our booking. So it was a disaster, but we managed to arrive, find another hotel, and then we, it was a bit more expensive than we wanted to pay. So we, we stayed there for one night and then moved on to, to another place. But gosh, that was a bit of a stress, wasn't it? Mm. And then uh, we spent, yeah, four days in the city itself. Now we're kind of out on the outskirts of town, so it takes us a while to get in. But uh, while we were in the city, we did a, a tour with Context Travel, so that was really good. Um, Harry, the docent, was, was really good value. And then later in the week, we met Natalie, Stephanie, and some of the other Berlin docents for drinks at the Monkey Bar. We actually arrived, and the line was ridiculously long, so we went and had a drink somewhere else. But in the end, we, we went back and waited in line, and it was totally worth the wait. Oh, yeah, the views from up there are just amazing. And it seems to be, it's it's newly opened. It's part of a big uh, kind of concept mall redevelopment. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems to be uh, the place to be at the moment. Well, it's at the top of a hotel, isn't it? What is it, the 25 Hours Hotel? I think yeah, I think so. Yeah, pretty new. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so as well as that, we've been out for drinks with a lot of our Berlin friends, and uh, I caught up with David Lee from Travel Blog Success and uh, had lunch with him. And yeah, we've just been spending time in beer gardens Lots around the city, beer gardens, yeah. which uh, isn't a bad way to go about things. Yeah, it's fun. Well, uh, let's jump into uh, to the show. This week we're going to be talking about Latvia, and we have all sorts of interesting sounds and and quotes from there. And uh, yeah, this was part of the trip that I did with J-Way Travels er- earlier in the year. So if you've been following along, you would have heard uh, the Estonia podcast and the Lithuania podcast, and uh, we're bringing things to a wrap. This is the end of a three-part series on the Baltic countries, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. Riga is the biggest city in the region, the most vibrant city, and the place with the best nightlife. In English-speaking Europe, Latvia, especially its capital Riga, is known as a party place, the stag and hen party capital of the Baltics. But it's the other activities that caught my attention and captured the hearts of many in our group. I travelled with a group of other bloggers, Jacinda Maloney from Points and Travel, Kaylin O'Neill from Travel Yourself, Laura Longwell from Travel Addicts, and Chris and Tawny from Captain and Clark. In Riga, we were also joined by Heather Hall from ferretingoutthefun.com. There's a bunch of photos and mini-stories across networks like Instagram, Twitter, Periscope, and Facebook, with the J-Way Baltics hashtag. And since this is the last of our series on the Baltics, I'm sad to say goodbye to them. If you're keen to visit, make sure you drop by J-Way Travel. They organize the whole trip for us. Charles Neville traveled with us, and that's what they do for their clients boutique independent travel where they leverage their on-the-ground staff and knowledge of the restaurants hotels and transport connections to put together amazing trips and riga was amazing it often came up number one when i asked people about their favorite cities um i really just enjoyed the entire vibe of the city it was very lively certainly there were lots of stag and hen parties and things like that Um, but it was a lot of fun just to walk around and see all of the different cafes Um, and I think the architecture was something there that really impressed me there were lots of really beautiful buildings um, even ones that had been reconstructed recently um, but lots of things to look at everywhere we walked. Were you a fan of the Art Nouveau area? I was definitely a fan of the Art Nouveau area Um, I thought it was really astonishing to sort of walk along this group of streets and as you stare up at the buildings, there are faces and structures and statues sort of coming out at you in a very um, unusual way. Um, Even though Art Nouveau only lasted for about 20 years in the city, clearly it was something that was really very prevalent and unique to Riga. Riga was one of the largest Hanseatic cities and controlled the river traffic that reached from the Baltics all the way into the heart of Russia. We learned more about this on a midnight kayak tour of the river and the main canal of Riga. Very soon that city was founded in Jena, also Hanseatic League, that's a trade union of cities in Baltic City region, yeah, Hanseastrand. And uh, as I said, very, beca- very soon became the largest city in this area, also politically political center. So, as such a city, it was very interesting to all the neighbors. Yeah, so almost everyone has tried to invade it to get, get some peace of it. And quite a few of the neighbors also succeeded. Yeah, so for different uh, times in the history, Riga has been controlled by different nations. And as every nation left its heritage in the city life, city evolved as very international city. Uh, by the way, uh, in Swedish times, uh, first bridge across the river was built. 
again for military purposes. Yeah. Uh, so enemy army was on the left side, on the left bank, close to the sea, and uh, under the orders of Swedish king, uh, during night, bridge was built across the Oga River for army to cross. They simply placed boats across the river and built a bridge over those boats. After that battle, this bridge was considered very useful, so it was bought by the city. And since then, till practically second part of 20th century, there always have been a floating bridge in Daugava River. Uh, in different times, it has been made in different techniques. It has been made on boats, on log rafts, and uh, on pontoons. But always the same principle was applied. In autumn, when uh, winter was closing, the bridge gets disassembled, taken down into the bay where we started our tour. In winter, ice covers the river. Yeah, when it's safe, people can get across the river over the ice. Uh, in springtime, when ice starts to melt and the uh, river takes it to the sea, when it's safe, the uh, bridge gets uh, taken out from the bay and assembled again for the summer period. That was our kayak guide while we sat on the water. It was a real highlight of the trip for me. The large and quiet river, the tight canals which ran alongside and sometimes underneath the buildings. We spotted several beavers who played around and like were following one kayak for a while or chasing us along the canal bank. Dusk was my favourite time of day in Riga, a cognac in hand on an outdoor terrace facing into one of the old town squares. You can see all of the old town and much of the surrounding modern city from the top of St. Peter's Tower, but it's a nine euro entry and all you do is get shown up a flight of stairs and into a lift. The view's good, but there's no history, no context, no information about what you're looking at. For that, we had our day tour guide, Tom. This is where the uh, market was initially. Uh, this is where the executions also took place you know, for quite a long time. Then on the balcony you can see also three flags. We'll speak about them more in detail later. Latvian flag, European Union's flag in the middle, and uh, Riga's flag. Yeah? The European Union, uh, Latvia, joins 2004. And also for 1st of January 2014, Latvia joins Eurozone. So it's been... Uh, more than a year now, yeah, since we have also Euro, yeah. Is it good or bad? It's good. It's good. No, you can, uh, I mean, we're all nice people here, yeah, so later, if you wish, you can stop someone on the street, say, excusez-moi, from here and here. Just one question, yeah. How do you like Euro so far? You can uh, do this later. I don't think you'll hear nothing bad. Although, again, you can bump into all types of people uh, here, which might have a different opinion, but no, I think overall, uh, it's definitely good for us. From the top of St. Peter's Tower, you can see the huge market area, five big warehouses that were used to house Zeppelins during the Nazi occupation. There's an estimated 80,000 people who work and shop here every day of the week. That's 80,000 in a city of 640,000. That's a high percentage. It's mainly raw produce, meat, bread, veggies, cheese and pickles. Yeah, there was just enough ready-to-eat food to put together a light-moving lunch, but I wouldn't show up hungry. The best food we found was in Nyberg's restaurant in the Nyberg Hotel. It was directly opposite my hotel, the Justice, and just a few metres from two of the main squares. We had a look at some of their rooms, and they were gorgeous. But back to the food. Traditional food is typically quite heavy, sort of potato and and meat rich. Um, And actually what I was trying to do where uh, all the meals we set up were, you know, the the first thing we had would be a, a more traditional, heavier less delicate and refined version of the cuisine. And then kind of to reset people's expectations or to uh, uncover uh, the fact that the cuisines of each of these countries has evolved over the past few years. And there's, you know, there's modern Estonian, modern Latvian and modern Lithuanian cuisines. 
I can say they are all delicious. We arrived in Latvia by Lux Express, a local coach company, and they mean Lux. For about 20 euros, we traveled 250 kilometers between Panu in Estonia and Riga. The bus had an aeroplane-style business class seats with private and seat entertainment systems. Headphones were provided with bottled water, a snack, and a coffee machine. There were even power outlets so I could charge up my phone and do a little live periscope streaming while looking out the window. From Riga we headed to Vilnius, Lithuania, by private transfer so we could make two stops. One stop was at the Hill of Crosses that we talked about in the Lithuania show, and the other was Rondale Palace. Craig took a whole bunch of recordings at Rondale Palace, but unfortunately they didn't come out. So Craig, why don't you just tell me what is Rondale Palace? What does it look like and what do you like about it? Uh, Well, it's a big Baroque palace and like pretty much every other Baroque palace in all of Europe, it's big and blocky and uh, sits in large manicured gardens and everything's shades of pastel, you know, salmon pink, a, a pastel yellow. I don't know, it just seems to me to be so typical of all of the Baroque palaces. Yeah, the photos that I've seen, we've got a whole bunch of photos on Instagram, by the way. So drop by Instagram and check out our account. It's at Indie Travel. So uh, we've got a whole bunch of really nice photos from there, including a very cute one of a small child running away. But uh, from Running the fo- away from the palace. Yeah, running away from the palace. So from what I've seen of the photos, it reminds me a lot of Schloss Schumbrunn in uh, Vienna. Yeah, and I'd say that if you go to one of these uh, palaces or, or grand Baroque houses, You've probably seen most of all of them. On the inside, uh, here at Rondale, there's um, beautiful rooms inside with uh, beautiful decorations, some weird paintings. There's yeah, uh, yeah there's these uh, hunting scenes with little children, maybe three to six years old, um, out hunting stags and things with bows and arrows and guns. And sounds perfectly that, normal to me. Yeah, so that 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 room was quite odd, but. Uh, you know, there's a billiards display, an old library display. So it's very much in line with other similar palace museums around Europe. How long did you need to walk around the palace inside and outside? Um, probably about half an hour inside. And then outside, the, the grounds were huge. So we went through the more formal gardens and probably spent about half an hour just wandering around and taking some photos and and looking through that. And then, I mean, there was a large lake alongside it and various uh, kind of outhouses or probably the the old kind of carriage room and servants' quarters. Uh, Some of those have been turned into little shops. Oh, cool. And uh, so we kind of had a look around there as well. So it's the kind of place you could spend a whole day and just have a picnic or something like that? Yeah, if you brought your own entertainment, you could spend a whole day. Um, but it was a really nice place to kind of break up the trip and and stop. It's quite a big drive between the two capitals. But even when we broke it up with these two stops and another for lunch, we comfortably made the trip in a day. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways about the Baltics. They're a little off the beaten path, but the infrastructure for travel is all there. It's comfortable, cheaper than the rest of Europe, and it works really well. Local options like taxis and trams were cheap, and with Jayway's expert advice, we knew just when to jump on a coach between stops and when to book in a private transfer so we could see some things along the way. If you're interested in the Baltics, I've gone ahead and customized the itinerary we took to make the best possible Baltic trip for you. You can find this at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash Baltics. That's IndieTravelPodcast.com slash Baltics. So what did you like best about your time in Latvia? 
Latvia was uh, really interesting for me. I'd say the the standouts were all in Riga, where we spent most of our time. Uh, the last time we were there, I didn't really notice, or we didn't go to at all, the Art Nouveau district, where it's all Art Nouveau all the time, pretty much. And you're a big fan of Art Nouveau. I am. I am more of the uh, the kind of painting style than the architectural style. But still, it was really neat going in there, and uh, I went out of my way to go into the Art Nouveau Museum, which is there, and that was inspiring, I guess. I could imagine doing a, a room in the lodge, just uh, <laughs> in the, the styles that were there. Those of you who don't know, we have this kind of dream house that, if we ever have a house, would be called the lodge. And it has, I think it must have about a hundred rooms by now because it's got the library and it's got the wine cellar and, you know, now it's got an Art Nouveau art room. So, um, yeah, yep. if anyone wants to buy us a lodge, that would be totally fine. <laughs> yeah, we decorate it really well. So was it a large museum? No, it was tiny. It was uh, one architect, I guess, or one interior designer, we might call him now. Uh, it was his apartment. And so oh. it was all done in all of the styles that he wanted very precisely and very exactly. So that's been recreated and where his original stuff has just gone missing. Uh, they've brought in other things that were very similar to it. So that was really nice. And there's a few nice cafes along there, but you can walk along the canal to, to get there. And thinking of the canal, the experience that I enjoyed most there was the, uh, the night kayak and kayak tour. Yeah, from what I've seen of the photos and the video, it looks amazing. Yeah, it definitely wasn't for everyone. I think if it's your first time in a kayak and you're not used to, uh, you know, moving ships through the water, uh, starting at, you know, 11 o'clock at night uh, on what can be quite a busy river is probably not where you want to begin. But if you've done even a little bit of kayaking before, I think it's, uh, it's great fun. I think it sounds like the best tour, the best way to see a city. Well, some cities, but uh, yeah, it sounds like a really, really good idea. Yeah, there was a lot that was beautifully lit and the bits that weren't felt quite adventurous, you know, as you're going underneath buildings or through tunnels and things like that. Under buildings? Yeah, yeah, because uh, the canal, of course, runs through to the river and where things are built up, you're going underneath the, the buildings that have been built. Is it <laughs> so well expressed? Yeah, you're so thank, eloquent. Darling. Thank you, thank you. Uh, is there quite a lot of clearance space, or are you having to kind of duck down? Oh no, you're not. You're not ducking down at all. There's heaps of space there. Okay. What other boats were on the river while you were there? Um, not a lot. Uh, we were we were lucky, but it's it's a very major uh, river that goes through all the way into the heart of Russia, and it was probably where the the Russians came from, if I remember my my history. Because the, the Vikings uh, invaded all the way down into, well, set up trading routes all the way down into central Russia. And that's where Rustland apparently comes from because of the color of their hair. Ah, fascinating. Um, yeah. So that might be misremembered, but there we go. A little bit of misinformation for possibly, everyone. <laughs> possibly a factoid there. Yep. What about the food? What did you eat while you were there? It was a mix of, uh, like Charlie said in that little uh, interview segment, it was a mix of kind of high cuisine and low cuisine. So eating at Nyberg's restaurant was delicious and highly recommended. Uh, and it's uh, like a lot of things we've talked about in this area, it's value luxury. It's a really nice, luxurious dining experience with fantastic food. 
but then they have lunch menus for kind of 20 euros. So it's not excessive in any way. Uh, and day to day, I remember eating some uh, delicious, very greasy kind of pastries and also like savory pastries, not sweet pastries. And uh, also lots of cheeses, dried meats, um, or cured meats, and yeah, pickles, pickled fish, pickled uh, gherkin. Mm, sounds delicious. Yeah, it was. It was absolutely fantastic. And a lot of that stuff's available at the the markets that we talked about. But then it wasn't some. It was somewhere you went and bought like a couple of kilos of olives, not a cupful. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that dynamic was was very much there. You're looking at this food and going, that looks so interesting. I wonder what it is. And then I kind of felt like I couldn't ask for a hundred grams of something. It was. It just wasn't how. You the market works. It's, yeah, you, you go and do your food shopping there. Mm-hmm. So any last words on Riga? Riga was a lot of fun. Um, it's, as I said at the, the lead of the show, it's the biggest city, so it's the most uh, dynamic and uh, also the most easily accessible, I think. If you're just flying in for a weekend or a couple of days into any one of these cities and you want something where... You can have a good time and see something new but not be overly challenged. Then I think Riga is uh, the place to go. In Latvia, Craig was hosted by JW Travel, a boutique travel company specializing in trips in Central and Eastern Europe, including the Baltics. In Riga, Craig stayed at the Justus Hotel, just two minutes away from the Old Town Square. And all of the experiences can be organized through jwaytravel.com. Well, I hope you enjoyed that, the last in our series on the Baltics. Make sure to check out the Estonia and Lithuania podcast as well. So we're doing the great house-sitting experiment this summer, uh, something we haven't really done before, and uh, it's we're just kicking it off. It's It's been interesting so far. So, Linda, why don't you tell us a little bit about how we got into this, and then we can talk about how it's going. Well, we were thinking about getting into house-sitting when we were going back to New Zealand last year because some of our friends asked us if we could house-sit for them. So we've, we've done house-sitting, but not so much for strangers. So we joined uh, trustedhousesitters.com at the recommendation of our friends Pete and Daylene from Hectic Travels. If you're interested in getting into house sitting, you should definitely visit their website because they've got lots of good information about it. Yeah, they've got a book too, eh? Yeah, they've got a very good book. So check that out. But um, we kind of, yeah, weren't so sure. And then this summer we were looking at what we could possibly do. We had four months free between me finishing my degree and flights to Mexico. And, you know, we were looking at booking accommodation through Airbnb or something like that, uh, maybe a month in Poland or a month in Estonia or whatever. And uh, suddenly I realized that we could try house sitting again. So I revamped our trusted house sitters account and sent a few emails. And, and yeah, we heard back from a couple of places. So we've got this house set for two weeks here in Berlin and another one coming up in the middle of nowhere in England. I mean, really, you look at a map of England and it's – it's quite far away from everything. So that should be interesting. That's going to be for five weeks. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. I guess the thing that we found with house sitting is that you're really fitting into someone else's plans. Mm-hmm. And so the more flexibility you have, the more likely it is that it's going to work out for you. And if you want to be doing lots of tourism, it's not going to work that well uh, a lot of the time because you're you're committing to this one place and, mm-hmm. and to being there. But if you are like us where we work during the day and then we'll go out for a half day or go out for the evening, 
uh, it works perfectly. Mm-hmm. And the reason that we were able to make this work for us this time, I think, is because we had four months and we didn't care where we went. Mm-hmm. We wanted to be in Europe for the summer. And so we could just go anywhere and do anything. Yeah, I think flexibility really is key. So what are you enjoying about this house in? It's really nice being out here. We're in the the northern suburbs of Berlin, and we're surrounded by trees and by standalone houses, and we're on uh, kind of wide streets with uh, not forest all around, but kind of scrubby bush and lots of parks and things like that. Uh, There is a bit of forest, about a 20-minute walk away. So I'm just enjoying that change of pace because mm-hmm. quite often we are in the middle of things uh, by choice or we're out at the edge of a city, but it still feels very city-like, mm-hmm. whereas here it feels very suburban. Yeah, I really feel like we're living like locals. And I realize that every morning when I take Lucky for a walk and I'm walking along and he stops to sniff some other dog's butt and I have to talk to the dog's owner. And unfortunately, my German is quite bad. But, you know, I kind of make it work, and uh, eventually I have to say, look, I don't speak very good German. And they look at me and like, what? What? You have a dog? How? I <laughs> Today I was walking, and I ran into someone who recognized Lucky, and she gave him a little treat. And he was like, she was like, Lucky, Lucky, how are you doing? And, you know, she didn't really talk to me, but she talked to Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I avoid that by uh, putting on a podcast and putting on some big headphones so uh. I can just uh, – just cruise by <laughs> uh, with my basically holding a big sign saying, don't interact with me. <laughs> it's so cheating. You're not, you're not living the local life, Craig. You need to, to talk to people. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I will. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I will. That's one of the things about house sitting, I guess, is that a lot of it is pet sitting, not mm-hmm. necessarily just house sitting. Um, and that you need to jump on opportunities early. That's right. Um, and so that's the, the other thing that we've learned. Well, once again, before we finish off, I want to mention Performance Foundry at performancefoundry.com. Uh, so this is my company where we build websites to help businesses achieve their goals, and we specialize in WordPress development. Uh, so there's myself, of course, and then a team of half a dozen people around the world uh, we've got staff in New Zealand and the Philippines and in Ukraine and then other contractors around the place that uh, that fill in the gaps when we have excess demand. So it's great. It's been a real fun uh, project over the last 18 months. And if you need any work done on online marketing, you need a website built or um, or kind of rejigged and brought up to date, then uh, drop by performancefoundry.com and drop us a note. Well, that's us for this podcast. Until next time, travel well.